This episode of Mining Stock Daily is brought to you by Heatherdale Resources, a mineral exploration and development company focused on advancing the Niblack Copper Gold Zinc Silver Project in Alaska. Follow the company at heatherdaleresources.com. Hey everybody, welcome back into Mining Stock Daily. This is a really important episode that we're airing this uh, Wednesday late morning here, Mountain Standard Time. It's early afternoon for our guest, Mr. Tony Greer, TG Macro. Uh, Tony, it's <laughs> where do we start, man? <laughs> <laughs> that is a good question. You know, I was like, I was excited to come on today because there's so much to talk about, and then I'm thinking to myself, where are we going to start? I guess we have to start at GameStop, right? And we have to start with the disco ball in the room. I mean, you could you could talk GameStop, you could talk AMC, you could talk. Uh, I think Nokia's getting some sh- sort of big short squeeze today. From what yeah. I, it's like, what the hell? Like, okay, so that we yeah. this can we can really bust this open to a bigger dialogue. It's not yeah. just about these equities. It's about what's happening underneath the surface. Um, I. So I, I haven't I, I've just been able to kind of piecemeal the conversation that uh, Mr. Uh, Chamath and I always forget I can't never his mouse's last name just had on CNBC and he yeah. he tore CNBC a new one about really what this means about the retail investor having their day against yeah. that Wall Street hedge fund monopoly I guess you can call it and from a yeah. and from a guy who used to work on the street. How do you take all this? What do you think? Hey, man, I like it. You know, it's like uh, it's 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 market efficiency, right? It's it's uh, the little guy has figured out in some way, you know, figuratively or literally how to storm the castle, you know, and, and it's all done with this communication network and sort of understanding what stocks are vulnerable, right? And And they're vulnerable because... You know, they're vulnerable because people have short bets against companies that are supposedly not going to make any money. But the short bets are so outsized and the risk is so outsized that you have the opportunity for something like this to happen. And so for me, you know, I, you know, I remember um, I remember when, you know, day trading was a, a phenomenon of the dot com bubble and, you know, how how information traveled around and people were jumping on the, you know, the hottest tech stock that was flying and with plenty of time, you know, in the greater to play the greater fool theory, knowing that you were early enough and to see that these things were going to keep going. You know, this is kind of an example of that where, you know, the information is getting pushed around from, you know, small trader to small trader to not so small trader anymore. And, you know, they're literally buying crazy out of the money calls that get exercised. And so, you know, it's, uh, you know, this reminds me of like Volkswagen, right? Something that's going to be an absurd market distortion that's just going to come flying back to earth once the bad positions get cleared out. But like like we said, I, I don't have any problem with it occurring. You know, I, I think it's pretty hysterical watching, you know, the establishment trying to defend itself, you know, against this new retail raider of their of their business. So, you know, it's just a like you said, we can go a million different ways and see how it touches on the societal impact in, in a couple of different ways. But I think that it's a manifestation of what's going on societally, right, yeah. Trevor? As we've kind of discussed. Yeah, I I cannot agree with you more. It's almost like you could watch the parallels uh, in the traffic basically move from the political spectrum here in the U.S. and now transitioning into the equity markets. 
Yeah. Yeah, totally. Like, 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 you know, total discontent, total, total, um, you know, fed up with the power structures type of thing. And they figured out a way where, you know, the retail guy can actually, you know, cause and effect change. You know, I just saw this morning that there was a Barclays article that said, you know, the retailer has cemented his position, you know, in the um, global options world, which I thought was pretty, you know, bubble-esque sounding, you know, because, you know, when all this is said and done, you know, this is sort of catching the guardians of the gate off guard. Right. Like they didn't realize that this uh, that somebody was ever going to come after, you know, their their puts in something like that, you know, and they didn't realize that they were going to be picked on by this previous, pre, you know, prior to the last couple of months, this unforeseen force. And now this force that has become relevant. You know, it's just fun watching it, um, you know, poke different parts of the market and cause, you know, stir ups in different indices, et cetera, et cetera. But it feels symptomatic of a capitulation at some point trevor right like this is i don't know it just seems like something that we should be uh taking note of because i feel like we may be looking back on it and saying yeah that was a pretty good sign that things were coming apart and i'm not saying that that i'm, I'm not calling for a market crash or anything it just seems like there has been an extreme inflation in risk in the last three months for say that that probably needs to come out of the markets. And, and like I said, I'm not turning into a secular bear. I remain an equity bull, but I have, you know, you've been reading and I have de-risked the equity market tremendously. And I've only got really natural resources based positions because those are the only things I'm comfortable sleeping with when this kind of a shooting gallery is going on in the stock market, if that's fair to say. Absolutely. We're going to get to a couple of those positions and things you've been writing about in your morning navigator newsletter, which is fantastic, by the way. Um, Thank you. Uh, you know, with this whole thing, I, it, from a lot of the, the analysts that, uh, that I, you know, watch, uh, on the internet or read about a lot of it, like there's, there's so many indicators here that we, things are getting way too overheated. Now, and, 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 but the thing is, it's like, I'm all about these retailers making money. I'm all Absolutely. about the disruption. On the other yeah. hand, for those novice retailers, and I have learned this lesson multiple times, is don't let your risk outweigh, you know, your your actual how much how much you can actually afford to lose here, and and, private, and I just right. worry I just worry about it, right? I just worry. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is you know this is this is uh, you know this is most reminiscent to me, but this is more reminiscent to me, for example, of the XIV short volatility strategy blowing up than it is of really anything else. I mean, maybe Volkswagen rhymes with it a little bit, but it's just where you know a concentration of um, you know th th there's just been you know figured actually it's the opposite of XIV, isn't it? Right. This this is the inversion of XIV. That, that's what I meant to get to. XIV blowing up was the professional traders coming after the retail guys who were short volatility mm -hmm. and knowing that if they created enough buying and volatility that they would eventually rinse this ETF out. Right. The ETF was inherently short vol and we had a huge, huge, huge retail presence in it. That became the way that retail was expressing their bullishness in the S&P was to be short volatility via this ETF. 
So the professional class got a beat on that. They realized that these were all small options positions and they wound up coming after them and clearing them out all in one week's time. If you remember that the first week in February 2018, the S&P went down 500 points and it was because this short volatility strategy blew up. So this is the opposite where you've got you know, retail traders plus another head, you know, group of hedge fund wise, wise guys like Chamath and everybody else that realizes that they've got, you know, a lot of power on a social media string getting involved. And so it's kind of the opposite where they're going after the big institutional position that's vulnerable simply because it's vulnerable, not because GameStop's making any more money or, or the stock is doing any better because we can engineer an upside raid that washes out all those calls. Right. And so, you know, it just gives it gives the retail trader a lesson to me in how toxic options can be. Right. It gives it it gives them a real life lesson in what shorting volatility feels like and being wrong feels like. So, you know, seeing this thing go from 14 to 300 is as unbelievable as it is. You know, we're going to get to the end of this episode for GameStop and it's going to go back down to some ungodly, you know, probably two digit number before anybody knows it and the world will get back on its feet. So like we said, this is an episode. It's something to, to me that makes the smart risk managers like we're finally seeing today say, you know what, it's probably um, too crowded with retail money. It's probably too crowded with upside. Let me just de-risk a little. And that gets you the sell-off that we see today, which is, you know, a 55 point S&P sell off. We had a low of 1700 or so in the tick index. So it could be the beginning of something, but it hasn't gotten terribly significant yet. Yeah. But we'll see what happens in the next couple of days. Well, I was laughing this morning. I literally, you know, came upstairs to feed the kids breakfast and I turned on the TV uh, for him and it just happened to be CNN was the channel that was on left time. And I turned it on and literally it was a screen of markets were down 1% pre-market. And I was just, mm-hmm. I was just like, why on earth are they reporting that now? Out of all the, yeah. out of any conversation you wanted to have about the financial equity markets, you know, ever since the 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 big move down ten months ago, why is today the day you're like, oh, all hell's breaking loose because the equity markets are down one percent? Yeah, it's like they want to, It's like they want to point to this GameStop as you know evidence for causing damage to their stock index, right? Yeah. You know that's how they, that's how they spin it on television. If you know when you turn on the TV and the stocks are green, everybody on CNBC is generally very upbeat, and if they're red, there's something wrong, right? It's no longer a you know it's no longer a market trading on a bid or an offer there's something wrong with the tape if it's negative right. so right, right. you know that that's the sort of brainwashing that we have to get away from you know markets have to ebb and flow and that's all we're seeing right now right. well while the most major indices are down about 1 1 1.5% as we speak you know what's been really boring today tony what's that precious metals they and you and I are both smiling time. it's like yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's good yeah. it's good exactly yeah, it's like, you know, the world is going batshit crazy and, you know, the gold guys are kind of sitting on their gold looking around. The guys that don't have it are sitting on the bid saying, I wonder how I can get some more gold on in this volatile situation. And it just doesn't want to break down yet, you know, and and as long as um, I long as long as I think we have these yields in a sort of recognizable range, I don't see gold really breaking down significantly. Um, but that's been the story to me, Trevor. That's been significant since inauguration. We have to note that that is when yields and the curves started backing off. 
And so to me, once the bond market says to everybody, hang on, we've got reason not to be pinned to a new high every day, right? We've got some deflationary factors that whether we like it or not, the bond market is de- interpreting as deflationary. Could be some of the things President Biden is doing, could be some of the things other global actors are doing in response to his inauguration. But we've clearly sort of backed off that steaming forward path where the yield curves rise, inflation expectations rise, and yields keep rising, and they're being underpinned by fairly decent economic data. It seems like that kind of that dynamic just slipped up on us in the last week. You know, and I think that the markets are reflecting that right now, this little, you know, sort of deflationary ghost that the market seems like it saw in Treasury. So we'll see how it adjusts. Yeah, that 10 year note just this week came down and just touched back on one. Uh, so right. that's pretty interesting to watch. That's one I've been paying attention to. Uh, and the dollar continues to kind of fluctuate in this range here the last couple of days. Uh, it can't bust above that 90 point. 90 to 91 area. I mean, every time it tries to get above it, it gets kicked back down. So it, it just seems like everything's really in flux here, buddy. You know, it's like, it, yeah, it's a, it's a counter trend trade, you know, going on, right. It, you know, the trend has been dollar down and, you know, right today, dollar trying to grind dollar index, like you spoke about um, still within that range, like we said, but trying to push through the 50 day moving average. You know, that's interesting to me. If you get that to close up above its 50 day, it might incur some more buying in dollars, which probably takes a little bit more air out of the risk complex, right? All I see is that, you know, the dollar up means the euro, the Aussie dollar and the yuan are probably a little bit weaker. And those are all the commodity currencies that, you know, are giving t- wind in our sales into the base metals markets, except for example, you know, base metals are all down with all those commodity currencies down. So this seems like a sensible pullback to me and within an uptrend, very much within an uptrend in metals, within a downtrend in the dollar. I still think this is very counter trend rally for the year. Um, I still think we're going to see yields higher, dollar lower for the year. I think we're just adjusting to the new administration. I really do. Uh, Let's talk about the metals because just this morning in your newsletter, you wrote extensively about Freeport McMoran. And I know this is a company uh, that you, you know, I guess you could say is near and dear to your heart and has been for quite some time. Yeah, absolutely. You know, without kind of giving away the, uh, the bread and butter of what you wrote, what can you share with our listeners about Freeport and its recent moves? Yeah, Freeport was a great, great telegraph commodity trade, right? The thing did, it made all the right moves ascending from below the moving averages as the dollar weakened and the metals trade took off, right? So for me, having that tailwind was a great way to get long Freeport through the teens. Um, You know, we got out of Freeport with with a lot of luck at the absolute high of the move, just because it seemed like the right time to de risk. And the stock has now fallen back in our lap. So the way I'm looking at it is, you know, the numbers that came out of Freeport were all pretty decent across the board, right? In terms of earnings and revenue, they were in line. In terms of copper production, you know, they they uh, they may have sort of guided a little bit lower than the market expected in terms of how much copper and gold they're pulling out of the ground, but they gave a fairly optimistic long-term guidance. Uh, you know, they gave a look into 2022 and even 23 mine production. And to me, that was encouraging. And they're trade, you know, they're obviously pricing the copper and the gold off of much higher prices. And if I'm bullish, those metals, 
you know, then I'm going to give them a little leeway to price it in even higher. So to me, this dip is part of the metal de-risking. It's part of the dollar rallying and sort of knocking the metals and mining space back on its heels. I am a great, I'm looking to buy Freeport on this dip because I think that the inflationary picture is going to be intact. I think that the copper shortage picture is going to be intact. So this is real, real opportunity to me. And, you know, Freeport is just a great proxy for, you know, the cyclicals and copper. And so that's why I feel like I generally have a decent handle on it, Trevor, if that's fair to say. No, I think you do. I, I would agree and trust your judgment there. Uh, on the precious yeah. metal side of things, let's break it down. If you can talk about both gold and silver. Uh, we talked a little bit about gold and how it's kind of finding a nice base here at that 1840 level. Uh, it hasn't, you know, anytime it's been sold off below that, it's bounced right back. I mean, there has been some moments where it's tried to climb up, but really just kind of been sold off. We'll see if the Fed announcement this week has anything to do, you know, it changes that momentum either side. Uh, but uh, are you are you buying gold here? Are you looking at gold miners or anything like that? I am looking at buying more gold on this dip. Um, for my for my sort of pickiness in risk management, the miners are now all the the GDX is below all the major moving averages now. So while I'm still fundamentally bullish because I don't really see the metal having a big downside episode, it doesn't get it doesn't excite me to buy GDX right here because it's fallen into the bottom of its range. It's below the moving average. You know, I could see we might be in a scenario where the metal might outperform the stocks. So I'd rather not go there. When I look at gold, Trevor, what I see, honestly, from 30,000 feet up, if you remember when Bitcoin was printing the dead ball high print of the move at 43K, I tweeted with a picture of, of um, a Breakfast Club character, um, <laughs> Anthony Michael Hall, with a pen coming out of his nose, yeah. right? They're literally selling gold at 1850 so they can buy Bitcoin at 43 freaking thousand right now, right? You could see it. There were waves lower in gold and waves higher in Bitcoin and then waves lower in gold and waves higher in Bitcoin. And to me, that was the standout, you know, capitulation of Bitcoin ridiculousness, right? Bitcoin going to 43K, all the bulls, every bull on Twitter was feeling himself because we were now 40k bid and blah 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 so what it, what i see is that we've taken a lot of air out of bitcoin obviously you know we're, we're more than 20 percent off the highs now nobody wants to talk about that being a potential bear market in bitcoin because god forbid we have a bear market in cryptocurrency it's just outrageous right nobody can even conceive that but what you see in gold gold is hovering between the, the 100 day excuse me 200 day moving average and the other moving averages that are slightly above the market. And to me, it looks like they're accumulating, right? I can't really draw a straight line to it. But to me, if there was a major de-risking, given how much base metals have come off, I would have thought that gold could have backed off a little further. And here we are, 1850 bit, right? So now, now instead of having Bitcoin 43,000 bid and they're hitting 1850 gold bids so they can buy it with the cash, where's Bitcoin now? Bitcoin is 34,000 offered, right? $10,000 lower. And where is gold at a price that makes you and I pretty comfortable, right? 1850. Yeah. You know, it, it, yeah. we haven't had tremendous capital appreciation from here, but our capital is intact while the equity market is getting a little bit, you know, tagged right now. So, you know, that that's kind of how I'm looking at it. I'm starting to see the Bitcoin gold dynamic sort of reveal itself. 
And to me, it just feels like they're getting out of a little bit of the Bitcoin they bought late and maybe buying some gold back. And for me, we're still in a pretty constructive um, setup for gold. Well, listen, we're not, we, we're not seeing a whole rotation into value investing at all right now. We're, right. we're kind of in this kind of no man's where we're trying to figure it out in general. But when you when you do see a rotation into value, I mean, let's look, look at 1850 gold. And even whatever we're at in silver, 25 bucks or whatever, 23 bucks, you know, these miners are typically making really good margin mm-hmm. on their product. But yet nobody's, the major market isn't recognizing this value. They're not recognizing how much money these companies are actually making. Um, you know, what's it going to take for the general, the general equity communities to be like, holy shit, company like, you know, Equinox Gold or Barrick, you know, are making anywhere from, you know, yeah. 80% to 130% margin. Right. Well, I think that, you know, that's kind of back to the Freeport story. And you maybe got to it a better, in a better way than I did, Trevor. You know, the, they, they just marked up their copper price that they were, um, you know, marked to essentially from 280 to 340, right, on, on the COMEX. And so to me, you know, that's a nice 25% leap in the price of copper. And you're looking at it and you're like, okay, that still might be conservative. So in terms of like when you ask, what is it going to take? You know, it's going to take for, you know, the market to be pricing in, ah, okay, maybe they can price in um, 340 copper for the next six months to a year. And then copper goes to four bucks. You know what I mean? And it's like, whoa, there's another 25% price hike for Freeport that the market wasn't pricing in. You know, it was interesting to me to see that they got to mark the copper price higher and said that they were going to be mining a lot more gold and silver out the calendar 23, uh, 22 and 23. But the stock come off so sharply. So for me, that's just indication that, you know, the law, the buyers got a little bit ahead of it. We got numbers in Freeport that the market was expecting. Certainly they weren't much better. You couldn't make a case that they beat you know, uh, any expectations across the line. And so naturally you have the stock pullback now. So, you know, this is where the path higher in Freeport for me, I'm still looking for this name to go a lot higher, but the path won't be linear, right? I still think Freeport is a $50 stock, um, but the path to get there is not going to be in a straight line. So we have to be mobile, uh, nimble for pullbacks like this. And we did a good job of staying ahead of this one just by reading some of the um, some of the sentiment cards in the base metals markets. And we got lucky. So, you know, hopefully that affords us a position to buy this on the dip again and then see it start to rally because nothing about the move higher, you know, off the lows in Freeport is over. Neither, you know, nor the move in copper or base metals to me. So we're just episodically pulling back right now. Yeah, there's no gamma squeeze on Freeport right now. (laughs) Right. The Reddit Reddit guys (laughs) haven't gotten a hold of the soybeans or the base metals market yet. So they're still, uh, you know, trading on their own volition. But we will know. We will understand if that time ever comes, what, how this plays out. (laughs) They are going to stick out like a sore thumb. And uh, we're just going to have to go looking around for sort of, uh, you know, leveraged bets for the metals markets to go lower and then we could start hunting those strikes down you know yeah, absolutely uh tony uh again the newsletter the morning navigator is wonderful i've been getting it every morning and reading it uh so i highly recommend it for anybody listening uh just go to tgmacro.com uh take a peruse at it uh send tony an email uh you know get you set right up and uh tony what, what do you want to, you know your famous last words before the end of the month because it'll be a couple of weeks so you and i touch base again i think but uh you know 
given where we're at today and this week, what do you, what's your parting words for everybody? You know, if I wanted to try to, to, uh, pin myself to something that will sort of age well, if you will, in a month, I would say that there is more air to come out of the equity market, judging by how lopsided the put call ratio has been, judging by the number of small trader upside call positions that we've seen in the markets. Um, you know, I would sort of heed the advice that I was once given that sort of don't buy the first day of a breakdown from the highs. You know, I kind of feel like this is what we're seeing. And with a new administration, a new set of rules and hurdles to get through, you know, the market's really, really going to force this green agenda now, you know, potentially driving a lot of capital where there may not really be that much value. You know, I, I think that we're still, Trevor, going to go into a phase where right now equities should pull back a little bit and natural resources will stay firm, right? I love the fact that crude oil is up a percent on a day that they're walloping the equity complex. You know, the grains have taken off and rallied and pulled back a little bit, but it seems like the trend there is going north. So I, I want to say, I guess, from 30,000 feet up over the next month, I think stocks can pull back further. I think Bitcoin can pull back further. I think we'll see the high in GameStop in the next, I don't know, 48 or 72 hours. <laughs> and, you know, and you'll see things sort of, you know, come back to earth. And I still think there's a little bit more room on the downside in equities while sort of natural resources, gold, oil, things like that stabilize and, and probably get on their feet by the time we're in the markets next. That's, that's a constant rotation that I'm going to be looking for in 2021. Less tech more um more natural resources is the way i'm playing it man all right tony appreciate you we'll talk to you again here in a couple of weeks and have yourself a good last week of the month. right on right on trevor always my pleasure to be here thanks so much for thinking of me man mining stock daily and its affiliates are not responsible for any loss arising from any investment decision in connection with the material presented herein please do your own research or speak with a licensed financial representative before making any investment decision